first readings from Jeremiah chapter 18 and verses 1 to 11. Turn the line, page 967 of the King Bibles. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the potter was shaking from the clay with mud in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I have planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll now read Psalm 50, verses 1 to 8. We'll read the verses alternately. The Lord our God, the Mighty One, has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting in the west. Our God is coming. He will not keep silent. Before him is devouring fire and tempest whirls about him. Gather to me, my faithful ones, those who by sacrifice make covenant with me. Listen, my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I am God, your God, and I will give my testimony. Please stand as we sing our next hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord.
I be with you? The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke chapter 12, beginning at the 32nd verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We found on page 1296 of the Bible. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Would you please be seated for our kids' talk? Are you smarter than going on a tour recently? So we've been out to um, Sunrise Avenue and then back to College Crescent, and today we are off to Toowoomba to see find the smartest, most capable people we can. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. Well, hello and welcome to Dolby's favourite kids show, Are You Smarter Than? And today the question is, are you smarter than an artist? And so we welcome our artist for the morning, Marilyn Johnston, all the way from Toowoomba. Hi! Hi. Marilyn, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Me? Um, I'm married to David, they live in Toowoomba. We have eight kids, 20 grandchildren. Wow! And in between being a wife and a mum and a grandmother, and a servant in church. Tell us about your art. I discovered that if I put paint on paper three and a half years ago, it actually looked good. Wow. So I now paint breathing cards with watercolour. Well, she's talented and she's smart. So, Marilyn, I've got a couple of questions for you today. Do you reckon you can give them a go? I'll give them a go. All right. Are you guys ready at home? Okay. Question one, Marilyn. What is an artist? Is it A, a person with too much time on their hands, B, someone who studies ants, C, a person who creates paintings, drawings, sculptures and other beautiful things as a job or a hobby, or D, someone who comes from the island of art deep in the Pacific Ocean? What's it going to be, Marilyn? Well, you've got to have a bit of time mm -hmm. to do that, but... You, you can also, you know, do your art outside of that. So what was C, I think? A person who creates paintings, drawings, yes, sculptures. C. 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 Lock it in. Lock it in. That is correct. <laughs> How did you guys go? Question two, Marilyn. What does a painter usually use to create their paintings? Is it A, a monster truck and two eggs? B, paintbrushes, paints and a canvas? C, ice cream and soft drink, or D, wood, bricks and a hammer? 
Now, ice cream and, and soda were very creative. Mm. But we'll have to go with that one. Paints and paper, was that it? Is that B? Paintbrushes, paints paint, and canvas? Paint, canvas, that's it. Don't okay, alright. I think this is a bit of a tough one. But that is correct. And I've heard, Marilyn, that you can do art with lots of things, but if you're painting, that's where we need paint and other materials. How did you guys go? Can you do some art with monster trucks? I'd love to see it. Now we're going to talk a little bit about pottery, Marilyn. Question three. What does a potter usually use to create their pottery? Is it A, a magic wand and a special broom? B, a match and some firewood? C, Vegemite and toast? Or D, clay, water and a pottery wheel? I think I'll have to go with D with this one though. Okay, clay, water and a pottery wheel? Yeah. Well, that's even better news because yet again, that is correct. you make the clay or the things with clay the pottery you actually have to put them into a very hot oven called a kiln don't you yes so you do need some firewood and a match but not until after you've done the pottery okay all right Marilyn this is where we look at pottery and creativity in the Bible question four in Jeremiah 18 God takes Jeremiah to see an artist but what type of artist is it a a potter B, a painter, C, a candlestick maker, or D, a rock star? Well, I was reading Jeremiah, mm -hmm. and it said he went down to the potter shed. The, the potter shed? Oh, wow. So, you think A, a potter? Well, I think a potter would work in the potter shed. I think you're right. What did you guys choose? Because A is correct. Yeah, A. very very smart and I think there's some other smart people around how are you guys going at home okay this is our last question <clears throat> Marilyn question five when times are tough and I don't know where my life is going what can I do about it can I a pray to God about my struggles B read my Bible to remind me of God's goodness C remember that God loves me Jesus died for me <clears throat> and that the Holy Spirit will help me, or D, all of the above? <sighs> well, yes, I do read the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I do need Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I do talk to God if I've got troubles. Um, well, you do A, B, and C, yeah. and... D was all, all of the above. I'll have all of the above. You're going to choose I'll all choose of the all above? above oh, fantastic news. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. That is correct. <laughs> that is always a good way to be, is to talk to God, to read our Bible, and to know that Jesus is there for us, and God sent us his Holy Spirit to look after us. No matter what's going on, he is always with us when we call on him. Yeah. Thank you so much, Marilyn. Thank you, sir. The question is, guys, are you smarter than an artist? Let us know, and we'd love to see you next time. Bye! Most of the editing required for the video is from the um, live audience cameraman. We have to get rid of the commentary. Last week it was Jude Andrew, and this week it was Andrew, so they're definitely enthusiastic. But before we delve further into God's word, would you pray for me as I pray for you?
Gracious God, we give you thanks that we can gather here in freedom today. And we ask that you would be with us, that you would form us as the proper forms of clay, that you would renew us and shape us and use your word to teach us and transform us so that we may be vessels that are pleasing in your sight. Through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is a joy to be back here preaching and learning with you again as we delve further into Jeremiah and learn more about God. Probably a bit strange, but this Weeping Prophet is actually one of my most treasured books of the Bible. And contrary to popular belief, it's not all about doom and gloom. As we've seen throughout the first two weeks, Jeremiah was a reluctant young man when God called him to share some of the most confronting warnings with his people Israel, who broken both God's trust and their covenant relationship repeatedly. But before we get too carried away in thinking that it's all about judgment and wrath for Israel, Jeremiah 18 gives us a beautiful insight into the why of Jeremiah's prophecies. Why is Jeremiah being sent out to share these warnings? The simple answer is, is that God wants to transform the Israelites from something that is broken and marred to something that is beautiful and pleasing to him. Jeremiah's ministry spanned over 40 years, but he wasn't always actively prophesying. Under King Josiah, Israel was reforming its covenant relationship with God. But after Josiah's death, Jehoiakim abandoned these reforms. And so that's where we find our passage today, when Jeremiah renews the warnings to Israel about neglecting their covenant with God. They're heading closer and closer and closer to what becomes exile in Babylon. But it's not a done deal. And through Jeremiah, God gives them a glimpse of his loving kindness. So as we delve into this beautiful and challenging passage, I hope that you, along with me, will see three key themes. First, that God is in charge, not us. Second, that God is constant and also merciful and that God has good plans for us, we are a work in progress. So let's dive in and see where God leads Jeremiah and us. I encourage you to keep looking at your passages with me. So let's look at verse one, verses 1 to 4. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Now, I'm as thankful for good art as the next person is, and I acknowledge I'm not an artist at all. But does anyone sit there and think, oh, I might just go and watch a potter up his wheel today? It's the strangeness of this situation. God's saying to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house of all places, which immediately highlights for us a key part of this passage, that God alone is in charge of what is happening here. I try not to get all Hebrew nerd excited about Old Testament passages, 
But the opening phrase, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, sets the scene for us perfectly. The word of the Lord was a common phrase in the Old Testament from the prophets. And it was just precisely designed to show us that this isn't just some benign social observation. But what Jeremiah is seeing and doing and saying in this passage has deep transformative meaning. And transformation is exactly what Jeremiah sees. A master artisan at his wheel, working his skill, his mastery and his wisdom to make something good, meaningful and pleasing in his sight. Not only is God in charge of what Jeremiah is seeing, but God is also in charge of what is happening at the potter's wheel, because God is the potter. But how do we know this? Well, on the surface level, God says this. Can I not do this? Am I not the potter? And you are the clay. But we see this again and again. These are parallels to our scripture. God, who is the potter, in Genesis 2, forms humankind from dust. And the word for form in Genesis 2, God takes dust and creates man, is actually the same word for the noun potter in Jeremiah. In Ezekiel 37, God takes the dry bones and breathes new life into them. And here in Jeremiah 18, God takes the lump of clay, which is broken and has deformities, and forms it into something that is pleasing to Him. In each and every of these situations, God takes something that is marred and broken and makes it into something that is beautiful. It's not a simple, let's make some craft, but it is a challenging and difficult exercise. It's the formation of humanity in its most beautiful form, as God intended it to be. So often in a lot of my conversations I hear with people, with people I hear the phrase, what do I need God for? I'm all right now, I've got everything I want. And the reality is, is that without God at the helm of the wheel, or with false gods in his place, we neglect to realize we wouldn't actually be formed as we are. Without the potter, without the former, we would be left as dust, as dry bones, or as lumps of clay. Now, Jeremiah 18 is probably the best-known passage out of Jeremiah, and one of the reasons is because of the image of the potter and the clay. And the risk in the interpretations of this passage is we kind of can skew to opposite ends of the spectrum. And it would be naive to conclude that we are just passive lumps of inanimate clay completely emotionless doing nothing. The other risk at the other end of the spectrum is we assume that forming the vessel at the potter's wheel is an easy process for a happy-go-lucky God figure. Oh, I'll just make some clay. One of the sermons I listened to on this said that once they had a slight diminutive looking potter who came to a church and challenged the congregants to an arm wrestle. But despite her seemingly um, small frame, and you might have assumed that she was not going to be able to win, no one took her on. 
because beneath her slight frown is a strength that is formidable. And it's a strength that wrestles with clay, clay that is tempestuous, difficult to mold, sometimes doesn't do what the clay wants. It can go up poor and try and do its own thing. Does that sound familiar to humanity much? God knows that Israel is not passive, and nor are we. It's God who's given us agency to either move with him or against him. But none of this agency exists without God, because it is God who is at the wheel, and it is he who is forming us. This is what we see expressed in verses 7 to 10. Let's look. At one moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring on it. At another moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. But if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I had intended to do it, to do to it. More often than not, we may also see passages like this used to argue that God is a vindictive, unreliable, or harsh. Sadly, it's another example of how meaning can quite literally get lost in translation. Again, without going too full Hebrew grammar nerd, it's actually the structure of this passage which shows us that God is not vindictive or spiteful, but in fact, He is constant and merciful to us. Verses 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 work like your classic if then scenario. If Israel does A, then God will do A. If Israel does B, then God will do B. And what critics often miss here is the fact that in all of that, God is always present through the good and the bad. He's not a God who only hangs out when times are good. He is constant. He knows when Israel and we are walking with him and when we are walking away from him. If Jeremiah were only a book of doom and gloom, it would suggest that God is wrathful and only wrathful. But it is a book of hope and it expresses here, as throughout Jeremiah and Scripture, that God is inherently merciful. He is constant, and He is merciful, and He wants to show us His mercy. To be honest, if I were the Lord of Israel, and this is how Israel had broken the covenant, I would have been long out of there. And God has every right to have had enough. Because he has given them these promises, this richness, and they have turned away from him. We see in verses 9 to 10 that God reminds Israel he is not a doormat to be ripped over without consequence. That even after years of faithlessness, God is still there. He is still constant. He's still reminding them and us that he is merciful and there is hope for renewal. So Jeremiah brings home to Israel the seriousness of their covenant with God. God has formed us, knows us, and loves us, so much so that he will measure out consequences of sin. 
that when we choose to turn to him, we can be assured of his mercies. It leads us up to our final verse, which is pretty confronting. And we need to ask, is God threatening to retake us, lest he destroy us? So let's look at verse 11. Now therefore, say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Look, I am a potter taking evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you, from your evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. From the start of the passage, we know that God took Jeremiah to the potter's house to warn Israel. They needed to be confronted with their sin and reminded that it doesn't work to live without God. And so do we. But this confrontation from God only comes because he is a God who is so loving and so merciful that in the very same breath, he also comforts us. This warning is not a done deal. It's not a total comfort. And that's why Jeremiah's prophecy spanned the past 40 years, because Israel's covenant and renewal were a work in progress. It takes a patient potter time to make a vessel that is beautiful as well as useful. Not once did the potter walk away from his work because it was marred, but instead he took the flaws and reworked them into something that is new. The kingdom of Israel was broken and marred, just as Jeremiah prophesied. Then God remade them through Jesus into a kingdom pleasing in his sight. Friends, I hope you can see that this is the comforting news that we are also a work in progress. We come into this world like many clay pots. Our lives are pitted with blemishes and impurities. And as clay goes, we are not always all that easy to work with. And sometimes we need to be created all over again. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit does in the life of those who trust in Christ. We are being slowly, surely formed into something that is pleasing to God. It's not quick, it's not always fun, but when we know Jesus, then we are a testament to God's constant love and mercy. Sometimes you might look upon your life and think, what on earth is God doing? This is some kind of new abstract pottery art. We have disappointments in our relationships. There are diseases in our bodies. We have discouragements and disagreements with friends and family. But we are not the potter. God often makes something out of us that we do not have in mind. We are the clay. And so what should we do? We should trust the potter and surrender to his hands. Swiss reformer Euro Zingli once wrote to a friend, I beseech Christ for this one thing only, that he will enable me to endure all things courageously, and that he breaks me as a potter's vessel, or makes me strong as it pleases him. So as Jesus trusted in obedience to God, even to death on a cross, let's ask ourselves, are we willing to accept that God is in charge? Are we willing to recognize that we fail to live as God intended. 
And are we willing to trust God to work with us, to shape us, and to form us as is pleasing to Him? May the Holy Spirit dwell with us and give us the courage and humility to be shaped more and more like Jesus each and every day.